you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everybody in between. Coming at you from a wet and windy July morning in Oxfordshire in England. It's not very summery. It's not very summery, but um, as there's lots of farmers out here. Well, actually, it's bad, isn't it? Rain in the summer for farmers because they can't get their crops in. I was going to say it's good. Good for gardeners, probably not good for farmers, but it's good for strawberries, I think. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> every cl- <laughs> every cloud. Um, I like to do a little bit of horticulture at the beginning of these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to. You, this is still the paranormal podcast, honestly. Um, now, as you know, Ben, I'm a massive music fan, as are you. Um, and that got me thinking about something known as backmasking. Backmasking, yeah, okay. That's I've what, heard of this. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk about today. So uh, if you don't know, backmasking is, uh, as it's sometimes referred, is when subliminal messages are found in records when they're played backwards. Usually they're put there deliberately. Sometimes, however, they're a little harder to explain away, as we'll come on to a little bit later. So I was quite surprised when I was researching this. I know a little bit about it, but there's quite a diverse range of recording artists who've experimented with this, including, weirdly, the Eurythmics, Really? Yeah, Eminem, Oasis, even ELO, who actually did a whole album that featured backmasking and subliminal messages throughout the album. On purpose? On purpose, and that could only be properly heard when played backwards. They did it as a kind of experimental concept album. Right, presumably, like, more playful stuff rather than, like... Yeah, I don't think it was, you know, Worship Satan or anything. I think it was just more, more fun stuff and weird messages and some some bands i think half man half biscuit and 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 some other bands have used it to almost take the mickey out of that phenomena that there are satanic messages in records some deliberately putting in reference to santa rather than (laughs) which I, i found very funny so yeah many bands have experimented with it deliberately adding these messages to their records but as we're just saying, you stereotypically think of heavy and death metal bands, especially with reference to the paranormal and the devil, right? Right. Uh, and in the 1980s, there was a raft of heavy metal and rock bands being sometimes falsely accused of adding devil worship and satanic messages that were revealed only when their songs were played backwards. And we'll come on to a bit of that later as well. But uh, this practice of experiencing the strange and upsetting through playing music backwards dates right back to the invention of recorded music, surprisingly enough. In fact, one of the early inventors of recorded sound, Thomas Edison, commented that his recording cylinders, as they were back then, you had bands who basically talk into mics and record on a physical cylinder, he said that it produced an interesting sound when played backwards. Edison said, the song is still melodious in many cases, but altogether different to the reproduced in the right way. Now, this was back in 1878. So this practice of playing stuff backwards started literally with the first ever recording. Gosh. Okay. I had no idea. Yeah. The other fact I I love about the Edison machine and the early recordings, which I didn't know until I, I've been reading this brilliant book by Talking Heads frontman David Byrne. It's called How Music Works. If you've not read it, it's really worth a read. It goes into what influenced the sound of music. But he talks about these early cylinder recordings. And I didn't know this, that in the early days, 
you had to gather the band around one or two microphones to play. And you could only record on how many cylinders you had the machines to produce, which was usually about five or six. So every time they wanted to produce another five or six cylinders, they had to get the band to do it again. So they'd record for like all day, just playing the same song over and over again to produce like 100 discs or 100 cylinders. I wonder if that, it must have made them more expensive than you know obviously then a um a record or something it must have been something that only you know wealthy people could afford in that case yeah yeah i mean later on i think there were ones that you could record yourself so that became more accessible to people but uh, apparently and initially edison invented the technology not to record music but to record speeches and he had this vision that everyone would have uh a collection of speeches in their house that they would play to people. So he didn't really see it as a record collection. He saw it as a collection of speeches, which I think is fascinating. It's a bit like that story. I remember David Bowie telling a story about um, the early invention of the telephone. And there was some congressman who said, one day every village will have a telephone that you can use. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was, I think somebody said that about computers, didn't they? I think they said, you know, there'll be, you know, a computer in every in every village or in every town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it it dates back to the start of recorded music in the uh, in the late eighteen hundreds. But as with so much popular music, it was the Beatles who really picked up the mantle of what is known as backmasking while making their Rubber Soul album in nineteen sixty five. They were recording a song which I don't think ended up on Rubber Soul, but they're recording a song called Rain, which John Lennon wrote. And what he did was take the first vocal line of the song and added it backwards as the track fades out, ending the song as it started, basically. Oh, I see. A bit like a palindrome, not exactly a palindrome, but a bit like that. Yeah. Uh, John Lennon told Rolling Stone magazine in 1968, we'd done the main thing at EMI and the habit then was to take the songs home and see what you thought a little extra gimmick or what the guitar piece would be. So I got home about five in the morning stoned out of my head i staggered up to my tape recorder and i put it on but it came out backwards and i was in a trance in the earphones what is it what is it it's too much you know i really wanted the whole song backwards almost and that was it so we tagged it on to the end huh brilliant yeah now there are other examples of the beatles backmasking, especially on the white album or the beatles known as the white album and spookily uh, John Lennon did kind of manage to use this technique again, or at least his bandmates did, after his death. So in 1995, a John Lennon demo for a track called Free as a Bird, which I'm sure you remember, yeah, yeah. was posthumously released as a Beatles track. And on the fade out of the song, Lennon is heard saying something backwards. Now, when I listen to it, it sounds, parts of it sounds like he's ending by saying John Lennon. But when you play it the right way round, he says, turned out nice again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little tribute to... Yeah, right? yeah. Well, Paul McCartney told The Observer, we even put one of those spoof backwards recordings on the end of the single for a laugh to give all those Beatles nuts something to do. <laughs> Which he did, because I've listened to it a few times. Actually, I'm not sure. I listened to it, and I, you can hear the turned out nice again, and we might drop a little bit of that in. Turned out nice again. 
But I think they've also tampered with it a little bit. So the bit I think where he's, it sounds like he's saying John Lennon, I think they've put him saying John Lennon backwards in the middle of it all. So I think they've mixed up some back masking with some forward masking to create a kind of weird effect. I see. That sounds like he's saying John Lennon, but actually I think that, that they've put that in deliberately. Um, but perhaps the strangest rumour about the Beatles on this practice of subliminal messaging came with a rumour that began to circulate in 1969 that Paul McCartney had actually died three years earlier in 1966 and been replaced in the Beatles by a doppelganger or a lookalike. I don't yeah. know if you remember this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's supposed to have been like a decent singer on the circuit or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and a man called a Detroit radio station and claimed that you could hear the words, turn me on, dead man, when Revolution 9 on the White Album was played backwards. Others claimed that in between two Beatles tracks on the album, one I'm So Tired and the track Blackbird, John Lennon can be heard mumbling, Paul is a dead man, miss him. Ooh. Okay. Is that true? Uh, I, I've not been able to decipher that myself. Many say it is true. I think it might be a bit of, you know, audio pareidolia. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rather than it actually being there. I'm not sure. Um, but all this resulted in Paul McCartney having to deny that he was actually dead. <laughs> um, stating, reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. But, I mean, he still has to do that, right? Yeah, it's even now, yeah. Because yeah. the other clue was that he's barefoot on the zebra crossing. Yeah. Which is supposed to be a thing. And there's also some... Um, imagery on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's apparently as well. Yeah, I think there's there's a number of artwork pieces on the album that people kind of uh, connect or conflate into proving this theory that Paul McCartney is dead. You know, I mean, whew, that's a hell of a thing to pull off if they managed it right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be a heck of a deathbed confession as well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the Beatles, as with a lot of things, seem to be uh, pioneers in this field of backmasking. But, you know, these were definitely, well, some of, some of what we're talking about, or the majority of it so far, has been put in deliberately by bands as a laugh or a, a, an artistic expression. But it's probably Led Zeppelin who really connected music, backmasking and Satan or maybe inadvertently rather than deliberately. In fact, there are many rumours that the band's legendary guitarist, Jimmy Page, was a devil worshipper because of his obsession with Alistair Crowley, who died in 1947, who Wikipedia described, interestingly, as an English occultist, ceremonial magician, poet, painter, novelist and mountaineer. <laughs> and dog lover. Yeah, I love that. That's that's a hell of a CV, isn't it? We should remember him for his mountaineering and devil worshipping. Yeah, I can, can you imagine that in the interview? So what are your hobbies? Oh, I'm an occultist, a ceremonial magician, poet, painter, novelist and mountaineer. <laughs> Let's talk about your mountaineering. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I, I knew a little bit about Alistair Crowley. I don't, 
would you go as far as say he was a Satan worshipper? He did have some kind of interesting beliefs, I guess, but I don't know if you'd go that far. Would you? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who talk about him in sort of um, whispered tones because, you know, he's known as the Great Beast, isn't he? And yeah. he is supposed to have done some pretty terrible things that you know i don't want to go into here but we could go into another time but yeah. he also worked for the secret service right yeah I, yeah I believe so yeah yeah i think a bit like we've talked about um with some of the people who's supposed to have uh psychic abilities they they kind of investigated you know could they use some of his skills didn't they well i i some now i'll have to double check this fact but i have a feeling that he was handled by Ian Fleming at some point oh, really? in wow. in the spy services. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's a fact. Wow. I wonder if they went mountaineering together. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's how they knew each other, yes. Yeah. So as Rolling Stone magazine wrote about this, Jimmy Page's Crowley obsession led to whispers that he, he and Satan were tight. And yet another rumour claimed that members of Led Zeppelin had made a Faustian bargain with the devil in exchange for stardom. So you can see how this thing started to ramp up, right? Now, uh, Rolling Stone magazine, brilliant magazine, uh, they did some fact-checking on this, and they say there's no evidence Page was a Satanist, though he believed in Crowley's philosophy of personal liberation. He even had Crowley's dictum, do What Thou Wilt, inscribed in the runoff groove of the original vinyl release of Led Zeppelin 3, which I didn't know. I did have a look on eBay to see whether you can get... It's always hard to know whether it's the first pressing and whether it's got that in the groove, but uh, original pressings of that album, I'm assuming with that written in the runoff groove, I've seen on eBay for going for over $1,000. So, yeah, it's probably that, because you've got that satanic connection, you've got all that, you can see why that bumps up the price. Right? So when you say it's, it's, it's in the runoff, it's literally written in English Yeah, in the IC. You know people, you know in that runoff groove at the end of the record, uh, lots of artists would kind of scribble things on the original uh, uh, plates that were, they were printed from. Yes. I think, uh, I think there was a very famous one, with Elvis Costello, who was... I can't remember who he was pissed off with, either his record company or his manager or something. Um, so he wrote something very derogatory in the runoff message of one of his albums with the guy's phone number saying, call him and kind of abuse him effectively, which was... Kind no, of that never got published. Yeah, it? yeah, it got... Yeah, because bands would come in at the end and just do that. So, you know, if you've got any of those early records, there are often, if you check them, there are often weird things inscribed in that runoff. Good grief. Yeah. Um, Page did little to deflect the rumours of his kind of satanic beliefs throughout Zeppelin's history, uh, perhaps because he thought it was good for business. It's not going to hurt, probably sell a few more records. He said, I don't really want to go on about my personal beliefs or my involvement in magic. So again, this is what he told Rolling Stones. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in turning anybody on to anybody that I'm turned on to. If people want to find things, they find them themselves. Right. Okay. Now these rumours of Satanism within Led Zeppelin were also spread by a televangelist Paul Crouch in 1982, when he claimed to have listened to the band's seminal. Our uh, track "Stairway to Heaven," 
He said he played it backwards. Why he chose to play it backwards, I'm still not quite sure. So the main lyrics he refers to played forwards are, if there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed now. It's just a spring clean from the May Queen. Yes, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. Now, so Paul Crouch, this evangelist, <clears throat> claims he played the whole record, but specifically those lyrics backwards. And he said this is what he heard when those, that section of the song is played backwards. He said it says when played backwards, Here to my sweet Satan, the one whose path would make me sad, whose power is Satan, he will give those with him 666. There was a little tool shed where he made us suffer, sad Satan. Right. So I thought, okay, I'll check this out. So you can go onto YouTube and there are lots of videos that play it forwards, play it backwards with kind of clips of the lyrics. I'm sure you've seen them as yes, well, Ben. I have. Um, and I started to think, well, this... This and when you look at when you look at it with the words and you hear it, you go, "Oh my God, that that's exactly what it says." And then I started to think, "Well, you know what? With YouTube videos and the internet, you can't always trust." So what I did was take my copy of Stairway to Heaven, uh, load it up into GarageBand, and uh, have a listen to it backwards myself. And what I heard at first, it completely surprised me how the words came out. I couldn't, when I didn't look at the words in front of me, I couldn't hear all those lines, here to my sweet Satan, the one whose path would make me sad, all that stuff. I could certainly make out the words Satan a few times and I could certainly make out the words 666. And I know you listened to it recently, so I don't yes. know what you think. Well, that's the thing. I tried to, uh, the, before I watched it, if you like, I listened to it without watching the the youtube screen and certainly really clearly jump out the word satan and 666 really really clearly yeah and the 666 thing is the surprising bit but everything else once you once you're told what other people think it says your brain sort of goes oh yeah that is what it's saying you know a bit like an evp yeah, in a way yeah yeah, yeah. You fill in the gaps. You fill in the gaps, yeah. But what I was thinking was that perhaps there's a lot of words that we say that sound like Satan backwards. Maybe that is just what's going on here. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, looking at these lyrics, I I was just looking for where they repeat words to get those two, the two Satans I can clearly hear. And I struggle to find it's not like they're repeating a word. So... I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's let's play a little bit of that backwards. Okay. <clears throat> and then people can make up their own mind what they think. So the words you're listening out for to see if you can hear them. So he, the guy claims you can hear the words, Here to my sweet Satan, the one whose path would make me sad, whose power is Satan. He will give those with him, 666. There's a little tool shed where he made us suffer, sad Satan. Have a listen. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I can certainly hear something there. Yes, yeah. yeah. It isn't all um, gobbledygook. No, it's not. That's for sure. It's not rubbish. Now, the band themselves had denied that it was anything deliberate on their part. Frontman Robert Plant said, uh, who on earth would have ever thought of doing that? You've got to have a lot of time on your hands to even consider that people would do that. In another interview, Robert Plant said, to me it's very sad because Stairway to Heaven was written with every best intention. As far as reverse tapes and putting messages on the end, that's not my idea of making music. And, and interestingly, this is the funny one. At the time, the band's record label also issued a statement, which I really love. They said, our turntables only play in one direction, forwards. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've just thought presumably, well, I don't know whether this is a test. I don't know whether um, I am making this up. But if we listened to a cover of it backwards... Would we hear oh, that's a good question. the same thing? That. Yeah. That's... Like, he's, he's, um, he's a little bit cancelled at the moment, but Rolf Harris's version. Yeah. Because he's speaking it, basically. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, that is really interesting. I, I, I think we might have to try that afterwards. We'll just have a listen. Because, yeah, is there something intrinsic in his voice or the way he sings it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll come on to a bit more of what it would take to deliberately do it in a minute. But I guess there are three possible explanations for what you've just heard on Stairway to Heaven played backwards. It's either a complete coincidence and your brain hearing what you want to hear, as the band claimed. It's either a deliberate act by the band. After after all, the song is called Stairway to Heaven. There is a lyric in the song that says... Because you know sometimes words have two meanings, which mm-hmm. many people have jumped on as saying, ah, they obviously deliberately knew they were going to do this. Um, or is there something strange and paranormal going on with it, which neither the band or, you know, anyone is kind of aware of? Manipulated from the other side. Yeah, exactly. A bit a bit like the stuff that we talked about uh, with EVPs with Tony Hayes and uh, we talked about a guy called Joe Meek who was a famous uh, record producer in the 60s who started finding weird EVPs and strange messages on recordings he was doing and got a bit obsessed with it. And I could relate a bit to Joe Meek because I started to get a bit obsessed with this. And I wondered whether maybe it is a natural process in some way, just like you were saying, if you took loads of records and played them backwards, would you hear Satan? Or is there something, a phrase or way of singing? Uh would you get something weird or would you hear strange words from any records? I started by playing one of our episodes backwards to see if I could pick out any spooky words or messages or anything intelligible at all. I mean, we're a paranormal podcast, right? Sure. We're bound to have, if there is going to be a secret message in there, it's going to be there. Oh God, I hope there's some good material when you play it backwards. (sighs) To be honest, Ben, there is nothing intelligible when played backwards. Uh-huh. Although some might say that's the same when you play it <laughs> forwards as well. <laughs> to be honest, Ben, you and I just sound like a couple of Icelandic old men having a conversation. <laughs> uh, have a listen. Wow. 
You see what I mean, Ben? I didn't think I could pronounce words like that. <laughs> we, we sound incredibly Icelandic or Scandinavian, though. I quite like it. Well, funnily enough, in a future episode, I have got a word in Icelandic which I need to pronounce, and I just can't. But maybe I need to pro- need to like find a way of saying it backwards, and then I can. Wow. Or, f- or find the English translation, and we'll just put it in backwards, and it'll be perfect. I, I think the closest that I can... Um, the closest analogue is Swedish Chef from the Muppets. Yeah, yeah, we do sound a bit like that. <laughs> so then I thought I'd try some other music. So I thought, well, let's go for a real good time tune that everybody knows that could not be accused of harbouring satanic intentions, right? So I went for Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. Oh, yes. So I listened to the whole track backwards and... yes. It sounded like an Icelandic old man singing gibberish. <laughs> Did it really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amazing. So then I thought maybe you need a song that potentially could have sparked some demonic interests. So I went for the Smiths, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. Now, my thought process behind this was I thought if Heaven Knows Morrissey was miserable, it might get, I might get something saying hell makes you happy when played backwards. Right, you see yeah. where I was going? Yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah. Do you want to know what I got? Go on, something like 25p off Kit Kat in Sainsbury's <laughs> or something like that. No, it just sounded like the Icelandic band Sigaross singing gibberish, to be honest. <laughs> and gibberish is their best track. Yeah. But it did make me think, if you're going to create this yourself, it's a pretty tough thing to do. Yeah. You have to find words that roughly make sense when sung normally forward... And then when played backwards, at least key phrases need to be recognisable. And that is not easy as far as I can see. But you see, I think if you were expecting to do it, if we were, you know, renowned Satanists and an evangelist was listening to us backwards, if they took an entire episode, they might be able to find a bit which sounded, you know, like one of us saying, worship Satan and the other person saying, yep. Yeah, uh, and that's you know that again is very is very EVP-ish. It is, but I think that the bit that surprised me, especially with Stairway to Heaven, is how clearly the words Satan and six 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 come out. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not like at a stretch you could make it. A lot of the other words I think are a real stretch to yes. to what to what the evangelist said. Yes. Yes, I, I I challenge anyone to listen to that and not hear the word Satan and six six six. But is that not just the product of of all the records in all the world that have been produced? One of them is bound to do that when you play it backwards. Like like there's probably one which does say special offers on Sainsbury's this right, week. Right, right, you know right. what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. the other thing, like that, this sort of strikes me as. You know, there's that whole thing about how if you play um, "Money" by Pink Floyd, it uh, it synchronizes perfectly with the Wizard of Oz film. Right. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've come across that before. Well, I know. Weirdly, I know what you're talking about because uh, you know, kind of 80s and 90s, I used to DJ quite a lot, and I used to 
DJ over uh, yeah, copyright nightmare. I used to DJ over Walt Disney's Fantasia. I used to DJ hip hop and kind of uh. acid house and, and ambient music. And it, it was quite mesmerizing how, not always, but how regularly it would just perfectly sync with right. the visuals. You know, old school hip hop and Fantasia, have a go. It just worked perfectly. <laughs> But you see what I mean? It's like, it's that pure coincidence. And like, I know what you're saying. It does sound exactly, exactly like it, but it's surrounded by a whole load of other stuff, which is, I think, unintelligible, really. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because I thought we might try an experiment. Okay. So, Ben, I asked you to pick a passage from Mm. a book to bring today, and I picked one as well. What we're going to do, we're going to read them out and then when we edit the podcast, we will put the passages in backwards and see if we come up with anything that doesn't sound like us speaking like old Icelandic men. Um, So it's a bit like an EVP. As we're recording this, we'll have no idea how it will sound backwards until we edit. Um, So Ben, I don't know, do you you want to go first? Do you want to read out your passage? Yeah, do you want me to tell you where it's from? Yeah, yeah, tell us all that. Okay, so... My favourite book in the entire world is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams. What a great book. And he has lots of very wise quotes in there. And this is one of my favourites. It is known that there are an infinite number of worlds simply because there is an infinite amount of space for them to be in. However, not every one of them is inhabited. Therefore, there must be a finite number of inhabited worlds... Any finite number divided by infinity is as near to nothing as makes no odds. So the average population of all the planets in the universe can be said to be zero. From this, it follows that the population of the whole universe is also zero and that any people that you might meet from time to time are merely the products of a deranged imagination. Excellent. That sounds like it's got some potential in there. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. All right, well, uh, well let's play that backwards. As, as I said... As we're recording, we've got no idea what's going to come out of that. So uh, you're kind of hearing it for the first time we are. So let's have a listen to Ben's passage backwards. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do that again. (laughs) I believe that's called tromboning. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to leave that in as well, but we're going to keep that the right way around. Let's let's have a listen to what Ben said. All right, so no idea how that came out. I thought what I'd do for my uh, little piece of reading was take it from the book I was talking about earlier, the David Byrne book, How Music Works. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have just randomly opened a page. So I'm just going to read one paragraph of that and see what we come out with. One could argue that these technicians who were responsible for how music came to sound and the composers or performers were, 
in effect, the authorship of recording and of music in general. It was being spread around, dispersed. It became harder and harder to know who did what or whose decisions were affecting the music we were hearing. Though music copyright and publishing still reflect an older, more traditional view of composition, these creative technicians demanded and often received an even larger piece of the monetary pie. Often they got a larger percentage than the individual performers. Actually, that's quite weird. I randomly chose that. It's about technicians in recording yeah, yeah. studios. That's quite, that is quite weird. I, I genuinely didn't <laughs> deliberately pick that. I no, just, no. I just flipped over to page, where, where are we? 149 of the David Byrne book. That's really weird. That's the universe, that is. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's play that one backwards. And yeah, we'll all find out if I've said anything weird or bizarre. Yes, <laughs> So, Bev, for Led Zeppelin to create this would certainly have taken a lot of effort. And why yeah. would they have kept quiet about it for over 10 years until this evangelist pointed it out? Well, wasn't the the conspiracy theory that um this was supposed to turn teenagers into satanists or something but it was you know it, not an, an unconscious thing yeah and i'll come on to that weirdly you've, right. you've kind of preempted something i'm gonna come up on. so i mean just to close on stairway to heaven it, it just makes me ponder that this is either a complete coincidence you know i just i think it's personally i think it would have been too difficult for them to deliberately create that maybe i'm being naive so it made me ponder that it's either a complete coincidence or that kind of audio paradoilia we were talking about earlier or is there something genuinely paranormal going on with that record you know it is called stairway to heaven mm -hmm. uh and it's ended up being described as the greatest rock record of all time. So it would get <laughs> attention from the other side, maybe. I yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe part of the deal was the devil said, don't, don't tell anyone. Yeah, yeah, keep quiet until in case anyone points it out. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, certainly lawmakers, as we were saying, and legislators at the time took the threat from backwards and subliminal messages in records very seriously. In 1982, a committee was set up to look at posting warning messages on records that contain these messages. And I found an article written by someone called Sandra Mishuku from April 1982, which gives us some indication of the paranoia that was around at the time. So I'm going to quote from this article, which is from 1982. She says... A legislative committee Tuesday listened to part of Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven 
and other rock albums played backwards for hidden messages that might suggest Satan worship. Since the 1960s, music groups such as the Beatles have recorded subliminal messages on many of their albums, said Assemblyman Philip Wyman, a Republican from Tekachapi, I think. Uh, I love this. At a meeting of the Consumer Protection and Toxics Committee. Toxics? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what that committee was about, but somehow they've ended talking about uh, records with satanic messages in. Mm. <clears throat> she goes on. The me- Or he goes on. The message was subliminal because it was audible only when played backwards. Wyman said a backwards message saying Paul McCartney is dead was in the song number nine, I think he means revolution number nine, on the Beatles' White Album. Wyman contended the message was used used to boost record sales for the Beatles by suggesting to fans that this was the last Beatles album they would ever hear. Like the Beatles needed to kind of generate a few (laughs) extra album sales, but there you go. (laughs) He goes on to say, he said there were other records such as Led Zeppelin album, Styx, Snowblind, which is another famous one, which if played backwards had words referring to satanic worship. Wyman didn't deal with albums that have been straightforward about Satan worship, such as the Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil. Wyman proposed in his bill that music companies place warnings on album jackets that a record contained backward masking, which consisted of a track that could be understood only when played in reverse. Chairman Sally Tanner, Democrat from El Monte, called the issue exciting and interesting, but delayed a vote until rock groups and members of others from the recording industry can testify at future hearings. Several examples were played to the committee on a small cassette machine and the garbled words and static that came through to listeners sounded similar to the decipher provided by Wyman. The Zeppelin example was deciphered by Wyman as I sing because I live with Satan, the Lord turns me off, there's no escaping it, here's to my sweet Satan. So I think he's referring to the same words we talked about earlier, and the, the evangelist interpret them differently, which I think is interesting. Um, <clears throat> William Yarrell of Aura, Colorado, who identified himself as a neuroscientist, said he studies how the human brain functions and asserted that subliminal messages can influence people. With backward masking, a teenager listening to this three times has stored it as the truth, Yarrell said. Monica Whiffley, 20, of Lancaster, brought the matter of backwards recording to Wyman's attention after seeing a Trinity broadcasting programme about the subject on television. I listened to a lot of rock albums, she said. She said she manually turned many of her records backwards and could hear the offending words. I threw away a lot of albums, and a lot of them were new, she said. (laughs) (laughs) She also said a friend listened to another album and reported hearing the phrase, I like marijuana. Oh, I've heard that. I, I like marijuana. Re- yeah, I can't remember what song that is, but I've heard that as well. Um, it does give you a bit of a indication of the kind of paranoia that was being stirred up by all this. Do you know what I mean? There's official hearings about it and calls for these these limitations to be put on and witness testimonies and all kinds of stuff they were taking it seriously right but yeah but that kerfuffle um reminds me of the 
satanic child abuse cases in the late 80s, early 90s in the UK when kids were forcibly taken off their parents with no no evidence, no evidence whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all been proven to be nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as I know, Ben, no law was put in place to put warning stickers on albums that contained backmasking, not as far as I'm aware. However, in 1984, Tipper Gore, the wife of then-Senator Al Gore, bought a copy of Prince's Purple Rain album for her 11-year-old daughter. After hearing the sexually charged lyrics of the track Darling Nikki, what a great track that is, Tipper Gore started to lobby for warning stickers to be put on records that contained salacious lyrics or swearing. It resulted in those stickers we see on records that say parental advisory. So that was because of Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife, and uh, the Prince album Purple Rain and the track Darling Nikki, that we have those parental warning stickers on, on records and CDs now. If only they'd extended that to some sort of quality warning for Prince when Bat Duns came out. <laughs> there, but... there is that. I mean, ironically, I guess for many artists, having that badge became a badge of honour or a mechanism for selling more records, right? So yeah, it was yeah. probably counterproductive in the end anyway. Well, you wouldn't buy a rap record without that, would you? No, exactly. Yeah, you wouldn't, would you? No. Um so a few years later, in 1990, things really ramped up regarding backmasking with a court case involving, involving British metal band Judas Priest. Uh, yeah, this is the one I was thinking of, right? Yeah, so this is when it really made it into a serious court case. And of course, they're called Judas Priest, which sort of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help your case, does it? <laughs> you could just see the lawyer chipping up, can't you? <laughs> You're called so, sorry, Judas they're, Priest. They're, they're right. accusing you of, of satanic stuff. Uh, and what's your band name? Judas Priest. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, this is because this is Ian Judas and this is Ian Priest. Yeah. And together we're Judas Priest. <laughs> <laughs> we went for a while under the two Ians, but we didn't get anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> two Ians and a Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jeff Satan. <laughs> well, if you say two Ians and a Jeff backwards, it does give you something very, very disgusting. I, I guess, though, this starts with with, with really sad be beginnings because it, it really came about because in December of 1985, two young, young men, Raymond Belknap, then 18, and James Vance, 20, after a day of drinking and smoking weed while listening to the Judas Priest album Stained Class over and over again, took a shotgun and killed themselves. Belknap died instantly, Vance three years later from his injuries, which is, oh, I don't know which is worse out of those two. Well, they're both terrible, but that, I mean, just to be injured. Before his death, Vance's parents took the band and their record label at the time, CBS Records, to court for £6.2 in damages claiming that Judas Priest had hidden subliminal messages in the track called Better By You, Better Than Me. It was claimed that the band had hidden the messages Try Suicide, Do It and Let's Be Dead in the recording and that had influenced Vance to shoot himself. Now, I think what's quite interesting about that, which I didn't realise, and I'm not sure whether they're saying they put forward messages and played them backwards or it was the lyrics of the song itself because Better By You, Better Than Me wasn't actually an original song by the band. It's a cover version, which suggests at some point the original writers of it would have had to have 
a bit like the Led Zeppelin thing, if they deliberately done it, would have had to put something in. So I thought that was interesting. Or again, depending on the style with which you sing it. Sing it, yeah. yeah. At the trial, the band's frontman, Rob Halford, testified that the supposed backward masking sections were actually the sound of him exhaling while singing. So just breathing out, basically. The band's attorney also pointed to the two young men's history of a troubled childhood and substance abuse. The judge in the case decided that the band were not responsible for the young men's deaths. When the Judas Priest singer talked about the case years later, he said, One of the first instances of the so-called backwards masking I'd heard was in Led Zeppelin songs. But in that case, it wasn't subliminal. It was allegedly audible. It's a very intriguing subject matter built in psychology, but I haven't got a clue. I'm just a singer in a fucking heavy metal band. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. On the family who took him to court, he said, uh, it's, obvious, uh, it's, it's obviously a highly charged emotional circumstance when you've lost your child. You're bound to be angry. You're bound to be upset. You're bound to be looking for some explanation. And he also said at the time, obviously you can't when you're in a court case, he just wanted to put his arms around the family and tell them that he was sorry. Because especially because the two kids involved were big fans of the band as well. Uh, Yeah, so very interesting, I think, that. And I I think my reading of the court case, it's a bit like when we did uh, the episode on the paranormal in the dock. I think the judge, it, it was one of those, you know, we, we said at the time, all those kind of paranormal cases when they end up in court, you expect a clear definitive answer. But it, it seemed like in this case, and this, this I'm no lawyer, so uh, excuse me if I'm wrong, or legal expert, it seemed to me they were saying the case hadn't been proved rather than there was no connection between backmasking and these messages. So from a legal perspective, I guess it kind of left the door open for if you could prove that this thing is done, there could still be a court case that says it is. So a bit like that episode, it doesn't feel like the court made a definitive decision, but either way, the band weren't held responsible. But surely, I mean, even if they had put those words in, there's another leap to go to say, are they responsible for these kids' deaths? Because... You could say that it's part of a performance, you know, it's part of our band image. Yeah. And then, you know, if you fast forward looking today at the violent video games and, uh, you know, the, the, the sorts of various, like a horror movie, for example, yeah. like would, the, if you went out and tortured someone to death, would you take Ellie Roth to court for making a hostel? Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's... I think that feels like a line that a judge wouldn't wouldn't go wouldn't down. go down. No, yeah, definitely. So, I started to think about rather than backmasking and these secret messages. You know, are there records out there that claim to have genuinely captured the dead on recordings? Mm. And uh, I think somebody we very, very briefly mentioned during our EVP episode uh, is someone called Constantine Rodive, who was a Latvian writer who was obsessed with the afterlife. And along with people like parapsychologist Hens Bender, where I guess you would call them the pioneers of EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, 
Rodive claimed to have conducted multiple experiments collecting EVPs and said he captured recordings of him communicating with many famous dead souls, including Hitler, Churchill, Starling, a whole host of uh, who's who of the 20th century, or who shouldn't have been who, maybe. Now, before you just write this guy off as a bit of a nut, he had a prestigious background. He teaching at uni- he was a university professor in Sweden. Um, he was a student of the legendary psychiatrist and psychoanalyst Carl Jung, which is quite big. Now, Rodive recorded over 10,000 audio tapes of EVPs, and some of those recordings were released as records, like the one that accompanied his book, Breakthrough, in 1971. Now, the book came with a vinyl recording of some of the EVPs, and many of those recordings are now available today on vinyl or CDs. Some of the records are available, including... There's one called Voices of the Dead, which you can buy on vinyl. I saw them pricing depending on what they, condition they are and what, what edition from like £13 to £100 uh, on eBay and various sources. I think, so, I think there is a record label that has recently recorded, released lots of them on CD. Uh, now, I was going to play you a bit of those because I did listen to those as well. Now, the recordings are mostly in German. So if you're not a German speaker, it is actually difficult to really know what the hell is going on. But it is claimed to be an official release of communications with the dead placed onto a record and now onto a CD. Flipping heck. Yeah. Have you got a translation? Do you know anything that they're supposed to no, be saying? No, no. Oh, it did make me think because I, I was thinking while I was putting this together... You know, it was reminding me a lot of our EVP episodes we, we did with Tony Hayes, who, uh, you know, I guess he's the leading expert in EVP and he's very good at mm. uh, playing with the audio and finding stuff from it. Uh, and he talks about, on the podcast we did with him, about a British record producer called Joe Meek, uh, who in his studio noticed strange sounds coming through on recordings he made in the 60s. Now, I was going to feature Joe in this episode as as well as go into more detail about some of these EVP records you can get. But the more I dug into it, there seems to be so much to say about that topic outside of what we talked about today. So for me, I think we might want to do uh, another episode on EVPs, maybe focusing more on Joe Meek, maybe getting Tony Hayes back uh, to talk about it because... I was expecting this episode to include that stuff, but the backmasking stuff became so interesting that I yeah, yeah. I'd focus on that really. No, no, let's let's to use the EVP for another time. But what whilst whilst you were talking, things captured on records are not not paranormal at all. But isn't there a record which there is an urban legend? Is it is it the the band are recording and um a cleaner comes in and says something and they leave it on the track is it it's something like big boys don't cry or one of those oh, I don't, I know, I 80s records oh that's brilliant uh hang on it's i mean the, the other it. classic recording which uh, again nothing to do with paranormal but so worth a listen is there there was an old i guess 60s band called the trogs who uh, very famously they uh, it leaked out them rowing in the studio, which is one of the funniest things you can ever hear. So I would definitely recommend anyone out there who's not seen the listen to the Trogs tape. 
to go and have a listen to that as well. Okay, I found the story very quickly, if you want me to tell it. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so it is on the track 10cc, I'm Not In Love, and the whispered vocals of Be Quiet, Big Boys Don't Cry came from the secretary of Strawberry Studios, which is where the band were recording. Uh, she's a lady called Ka- uh, Kathy Redfern. Apparently they were looking for a certain sound when Redfern enters the studio to tell Eric Stewart he had a phone call. When they heard her voice, they knew that she was right for it. So they get her to come in and just say, Big Boys Don't Cry. Big Boys Don't Cry, yeah. So I slightly misremembered it, but yeah, that's quite cool. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So I I don't know. I, I, I think the more I dug into this, the majority of these have been deliberately placed there the ones and the 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 majority of them are somebody recording something normally and just dropping it onto a record backwards and they can be all kinds of messages but i do think the zeppelin example is really interesting because when it comes to singing something forwards that can make partial or whole sense when played backwards I still can't. I mean, you know, there there are people who are musicians who would know a lot more than me. But certainly back then, when you're dealing with tapes, that seems like quite a complex and difficult thing to achieve, if not impossible. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It would take a heck of a lot of practice. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going down that route, you might as well say it forwards and just claim it's part of your part of your act i mean well that's the other thing about the zeppelin thing that keeps that struck me it's like if you'd gone to all that effort to do that surely you would even if you're not going to admit it directly yourself you would leak it out yourself you wouldn't wait 10 years for a televangelist to pick up on it no no and i I still can't work out why he was listening to it backwards in the first place what gave him the idea for that so there's there may be more digging to that story that i haven't done so far but yeah fascinating and uh my my, what i also found fascinating what i also find fascinating is artists who sing some of those lyrics straightforward or quite aggressively like um your Metallica or Alice Cooper are actually phenomenally nice people who yeah. <laughs> wouldn't dream of devil yeah. worshipping. Well, I, uh, um, Alice Cooper's a big golfer, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he and his play golf. father was a bishop, I think. Yeah, can you imagine you're on the golf... Uh, not that I play golf, but you can imagine you're on the golf course and then Alice Cooper's there. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Rock on. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine him in those kind of, you know, those golfing outfits. It doesn't kind of fit his image no no anyway if, if any of you do uh know of anything we've not covered on the podcast today of backwards records it would be really good to hear i think you know not, i'm not so interested in the ones where they've been recorded forwards and deliberately put in no it's more when groups of lyrics or things have been played backwards you know do they come out with something really really bizarre and it'll be interesting to see when the episode goes out how our little random passages that we picked to read how that comes out as well so that's going to be a a nice little uh, treat for us as well right yes i hope mine comes out something like about really loving cheese because i really do love cheese and it'd be great if that did happen (laughs) all right well uh 
we are going to be back with another episode of the Quantum Mechanics next week. So we'll say goodbye. We will. Not before I've reminded you to like and subscribe. We discovered we're now in the top 5% of global podcasts. Which is and amazing, right? So that's all down to you guys. So the more people you tell, um, if we can get in the top 2%, then um, I'm going to afford myself uh, a small party. And I'm sure you'd like me to afford myself a small party. Uh, I will, as, as long as I'm invited. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, are, you are the guest list. <laughs> so uh, I want to close this episode uh, with the last words of this episode are going to be, Thank you.